0: Welcome to Meaning Over Money, a different kind of financial podcast where money is never about money. Welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in. It means the world to us that you would spend a part of your week with us. Now, today, I'm going to start with some feedback that I received from a young person that that reached out to me through DM. And she said, I'm just going to read it. She said, I just got around to listening to the fifth episode of your podcast. I loved it. All quote, all caps. Love that. The phrase, quote, no amount of money in your bank account will make you happy, unquote, really stuck out to me. And she went on to say, it is seriously life changing for me. I've heard how money doesn't buy happiness before, but it's just how you said it that something clicked for me because it's totally true. First, I just wanna thank you so much to this young person who reached out. Um, that feedback just means the world to us. To be affirmed that what we're doing is making a difference, thank you. And if anybody else has any, any feedback, good or bad, we would love to hear it. Uh, we always love your feedback, it, it does make a difference. Now, like my young friend, deep down, I think we all know that money doesn't buy happiness, but we live in a culture that says it does. Everything we do. All the TV shows we watch, movies, music, social media, even just living life with our neighbors and our coworkers, we live life as though money's going to buy happiness. And if we believe that on the surface, if, if we really are living as if it's going to, it impacts everything. It impacts our career decisions. It impacts the things we buy. It impacts where we live. It impacts who we spend our time with. It impacts maybe where we go to school. It impacts everything. There's one thing that I really love, and I've started to love it about 10 years ago through some books and some podcasts, but behavioral science. Why do people do the things they do? This stuff fascinates me. And one of the things that behavioral scientists have taken on is it's trying to answer this question, does money buy happiness? And so they've done countless studies. You can Google them. You can see all the stuff they've done. But they want to know, does money make us happy? And I'm going to summarize some of this for us in in a very simplistic way. Here's what they found. They said money makes us really, really, really happy until the moment our basic needs are met. As we're making more money and and we're able to, to have put a roof over our head and have transportation and put food in our mouths and have clothing. That makes us really happy up to the point where we're we're taken care of and we're okay. And the study showed about $75,000 is the number. On average, it might be lower in some cities, it might be higher in some cities, but on average $75,000 for a family unit is what it takes to, to be taken care of. And once we hit that 75,000, money doesn't make us all that much happier. Now there's incremental differences along the way, but what they found is that Money makes us very happy until our needs are met, and then it doesn't really make us much happier after that. And I think I can really relate to this as I, as I relate to my own journey, and I relate to some of the folks that I've coached. And, and I remember when I was just starting out, and I had an entry-level salary, and I lived in an absolute dump of an apartment, and I, I had an okay car, and, and I look at my life back then, I was really, really happy. And I would say there, in some regards, I was happier then than I was fast forward many, many years making many multiples of that income, living in a nice brand new house, driving nicer cars, going on much nicer trips. I was happier when it was simpler. So I don't think money made me happier. And I see that in some of my clients. I have, I have clients that make $36,000 a year that are some of the happiest people I know. truly. Truly living meaningful fulfilling lives in in, deep joy making 36, 37, 40,000 a year Conversely, I've worked with people that make 500,000 a year, 600,000 a year, 700,000 a year that were not happy at all They just weren't happy There's a lot more that goes into it than what's your income and how much do you have in your bank account? Because I hope by the time you're done with this episode, I hope that you start to believe a little bit it's not the money that's making the difference. Now, it is, it is true going back. It is true. If you, if you can't even pay the rent and you can't afford to keep a, a reliable car at some level of reliability and if you're struggling to, to get food on your table, yes, that sucks and, and you're not going to be happy, you know, quote unquote, happy with that. That's hard. There's a reality that, that many people face of, of just not having enough. And I'm not talking to this group of people. This group of people, we need to get that figured out. And, and I feel for you. I feel, for you. I've walked with so many people that are, that are in that stage of life and it's hard. And it's hard. And so I just wanna recognize that. I wanna name that for what it is because there are people that are struggling. There's a lot of people struggling. But once we get to that point where our needs are met this money stuff isn't doing the trick anymore. It's not making the difference that we think it's going to be making. And one of the reasons for this is something called the hedonic treadmill. And, and I, when I first learned about this, it amazed me. And I, and I immediately thought about my own life and my own journey and thought, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I went through. Now the hedonic treadmill, really just to simply define it, it's saying that whenever something new happens to us, it becomes the new normal. So something really good happens to us, it becomes the new normal. Something really bad, the new normal. And so when they started studying this concept of the hedonic treadmill, they wanted to use two polar opposite examples for their, for their study. On one hand, on the good side, they studied people who won the lottery. And I'm, t- I'm not talking about a scratch off where you win 50 bucks or 200 bucks. I'm talking about like the big stuff, the power balls, the people who win a lot of money, life changing money. And they wanted to study people who had an accident. Something happened to them and they became amputees. They had an accident so bad that they had to partially or fully lose one of their limbs. And here's what they found. The people that won the lottery were really, really happy. And the people who were amputees were really, really unhappy. Now, call me Captain Obvious here. That, that makes sense, right? That makes sense. If you win the lottery, of course you're going to be happy. And if you become an amputee, of course you're going to be unhappy. But here's where it gets interesting just six months after winning the lottery or becoming an amputee, the numbers look a little different. The people, who won the lottery weren't any happier than before they had won the lottery. And the people who were amputees weren't any more unhappy than they were before the accident. So in other words, they adjusted to their new normal, and it all came right back to where it started. Now if we think about it, those are extreme examples, totally extreme examples. But if you think about it in your own path and in your own life, there's probably some pieces that, that really make sense there. And I think of a couple of my promotions. I had a couple of really big promotions in my career, and they were awesome. I was grateful for them. Um, it was really a, a culmination of, of a lot of work and recognition. And I don't know if I deserved it or not. Part of me felt I did, but then you know sometimes you just don't. Um, but it was a big deal in my life and in my career. And I remember on the heels of that promotion and and the pay raise that you get with it, I remember thinking, oh my gosh, everything is going to change now. My life is so much different. And then it really wasn't. It was for a bit, and then it just became the new normal. And over the course of 15 years, when you go from an entry-level salary to something many, many multiples of it, it's kind of like boiling a frog. You don't, you don't really feel like it was a drastic change and, and not a lot changed because of that. And then I also think about some of the bonuses I've received and, and I've received some pretty big bonuses along the way and those were cool. Getting those was, it felt life changing. And in a way it was. But like two days after those bonuses were paid, nothing, it went back to normal because the hedonic treadmill is in action. And so that's a real thing, and I think as, as you look back at your own journey, I think you're going to see the hedonic treadmill in action in your own lives. So if if I'm making the argument that money doesn't buy happiness, what does? So the behavioral scientists, they've they've studied this at length, and so they've really boiled it down to a handful of things that, that move the needle, and there are a lot of things that move the needle, but from, from my research and from looking at all the different studies and the different angles, there are three things that stick out to me of what causes happiness if it's not money. Number one, work that matters. Work that matters. And if you think about it, th- th- this probably makes sense. We spend half of our waking hours working. So, of course, if that half of your life is good, if you find meaning in what you're doing, of course that's going to make you happier. If you wake up every day and you're dreading what you're about to do, there's no amount of money that's going to make you happy. But if you wake up every day looking forward to what you're about to do, there's nothing better. There's nothing better. And I remember um, I I had a former coworker who on on the heels of me announcing I was resigning from my, my prior career and then going to do what I'm doing now, uh, this person said, Travis, what you're doing, makes you a bad, you're, you're gonna be, a, you're being a bad father by doing this and a bad husband. And he wasn't trying to be mean, he wasn't, but what he was getting at, and we talked about it at length, what he was getting at is, I owe my family a good life. I owe them a big house, I owe them better vacations, I owe them nicer vehicles. That's taking care of my family, in his opinion. And we have to do that. But there's a reality that, that I look at. I look at when I think about careers and I look at work. If you have the best vacation in the world, and you can go on some pretty amazing vacations, you still have to go into that job when you come back. And no matter how amazing that vacation was, if you dread every day when you go to that job, that, the, 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 Impact of that vacation is going to be short-lived. The restfulness and the, the rejuvenation of that vacation, it'll go away in a heartbeat because you're probably going to be stressed trying to get back into the flow of things and get caught back up. Or if you drive a fancier car. Sure, that might be cool. It might be cool to drive a nicer car, but are we just going to drive that nicer car every day to the job we hate? Or having a bigger house. Yeah, having a bigger house is cool. I've had a bigger house. I've had a little house. I've, I've had townhomes. I've had apartments. And having a big house is cool. Having a nice house is cool. But if every day you're going to wake up and have to leave that house to go to do something that you don't care for, I, I'd argue that's not a win. And also, I just need to name it. Some jobs suck. Some jobs just suck. And we'll talk more about this much, much more in, in a future episode. But sometimes we're not going to enjoy our work. And that's okay if it's for a purpose, if it's getting us to where we want to go. If we have a job that just sucks and we're just kind of saying, well, like I could retire in 10 years or 15 years, so I'm just going to stick it out. That's, that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about if we have a goal, there's an objective, there's somewhere we're trying to get and this job helps us get there then that might that might be a reason to have a job that we don't love right now. And I have one client right now that they're planning on this really amazing thing in the near future, and it's going to take until next fall. And so they just kind of named it that, that they're not happy with this job. They, they wish they weren't in this job. However, the way we're planning it in our coaching, it's to get them from point A to point B, and point B looks pretty cool. Point B is going to have so much meaning and impact, and it's a way to get there. And so there, there's, there's purpose in this job, even though they don't wake up every day loving it. And I think even me, I, I've shared this in a prior episode, but I took a 90% pay cut when I left my career to go do what I do now. And people ask me all the time, Travis, was it worth it? And I didn't know what my answer was going to be when I left that job. And now, looking back, I can tell you, it was worth it so many times over. I would make that decision every single time, probably even more so knowing what I know now. And, and my income's not down 90% today like it was right away, but it's still a significant amount less than it was in my prior job. And I can say with absolute certainty, I am far happier now. And it's not because that job wasn't awesome. That job was awesome. But I, I wake up every day now excited for what I'm about to do. That's the win. That, that means so much. And so I think the behavioral scientists nailed it when they said, work that matters can make us happy. I truly believe that. Now, number two, what makes us happy? Number two is having at least five people in our life who we can have deep and meaningful relationships with. Now, I'm not talking about 600 social media followers that will click like and then they'll, they'll make a comment telling us how pretty we are or how, how funny we are. I'm talking about people that are real, that we love and they love us back. People that you can just be honest with, no matter how ugly that is. People that will cheer you on even when you're doing better than they are. And that's something that I think we societally struggle with. We're, we're great at cheering people on that are below us. But as soon as somebody starts achieving, jealousy starts kicking in. And we need to find people that will cheer us on even when we're doing better than they are. And I have a few clients that it's kind of sad, but they'll say to me, they'll say, Travis, we like being able to share this with you because you're the only person in our life that, that will celebrate with us and encourage us for, for some of their financial wins and some of their career successes. And that's sad But it's a reality that we face. And so I have several clients that are doing better financially than me and are going to do better than I will ever dream of doing. And I love that because it's not about me. It's about loving people well. I have friends that are doing far cooler things than I feel like I will ever do. And I want to cheer them on every step of the way. But the cool thing is I have friends that like that for me. I have friends that will cheer me on, and and maybe in their eyes, I'm I'm far more successful. And they just love me well. We got to find those friends. We got to surround ourselves with those friends because that brings us happiness. And so if you have those friends, if you have a strong circle, you are so much further ahead than most of us. And so props to you. Please lean into those relationships because they're so valuable. And unfortunately, they're kind of rare. So lean into those because this is a driver of happiness. And number three, this one might, this one's probably the most surprising of what makes us happy. And this one confused some of the studies and the, they went back and redid the studies because they thought it felt so backwards. It's a generosity. And it seems backwards because there's this notion that if we have more money, we are happier. And generosity is the the inverse of that. If we give money away, we have less money. So we should be less happy. But instead, they found the opposite. They said, the more money we give, the happier we are. And there's a, there's a correlation between giving more and being happier. And so they did this really fun study. And they they told they, they told people, okay, we're gonna give you, we're gonna give you four options. And, and you have to decide you're going to decide what to do with it. So they said, okay, we're getting, there's four things that, that could happen here. We're going to give you $20 to spend. We're going to give you $5 to spend. We're going to give you $20 to be generous with, and we're going to give you $5 to be generous with. And so what they did is they, they took random samples, and they actually did this, and they gave them the money, and they said, here you go, do this. And so what they did is they surveyed people and said, what do you, how happy do you think this will make you? And and the results were pretty pretty clear because people think having more money makes you happier, having less money makes you less happy. So getting, getting to spend on yourself $20 was the one they thought would be the the, making the most happy and then being able to spend $5. And then the giving was way down below. And so once they actually gave them the money, then they, they surveyed people. Okay, how, how happy are you? And what they found was totally backwards. Is that the thing that made them the happiest was giving 20, then giving 5, and then spending 5 on themselves, and then at the the bottom was spending 20 on themselves. So the more money they gave, the happier they were. The more money they spent on themselves, the less happy they were. And I find this to be a fascinating study because we act as though the more we have, the happier we will be. Now, 10 years ago, I might have scoffed at, at this idea that giving more would make me happier than having more, because I think I was pretty selfish. I, don't, I didn't understand generosity. I didn't understand what it meant, and I didn't understand how it would change me. But fast forward a decade, it's changed us. It's changed my, my, my wife. It's changed me. It's changed the trajectory of our family. Giving is the single best thing that my family does. And, and so deep, deep down, I know generosity causes happiness. And I so badly want others to experience that same level of happiness and fulfillment and generosity that, that we have. And I didn't do it on my own. I had some people that were strong voices in my life encouraging me and pushing me and holding me accountable to making steps in this, in this area because it was, it was a, a weakness for me. And to anybody that says giving isn't fun and it's not making them happy means you're doing it wrong. Giving should be so fun. And if it's not, we got to find a way to make it fun because giving should be fun because it is the the most life-giving thing that we can do with, with our money. And so those are the three things. Work that matters, close and meaningful relationships, and generosity if we we lean into those three things, we will find happiness. It will drive our happiness upwards. And again, there's nothing wrong with having nice stuff. There's nothing wrong with driving a nice car. There's nothing wrong with going on cool trips. I'm not saying that. Please don't hear me say that. What I am saying is it's not going to make us happy. We need to find things that truly make us happy. And we need to have a proper understanding and a context of what can and cannot make us happy. Because when we do that, then we're not seeking happiness in those purchases. When we go on that sweet trip, we're not seeking happiness from it. We're seeking some memories and we're seeking to have fun, but we're not seeking happiness. You know, when someday when I get to go buy my my Nissan Z stick shift convertible, I'll do it in a way where I'm not expecting it to make me happy. I won't need it to make me happy because I already know where my happiness comes from. I know where my meaning comes from. It's not a stupid car. It's gonna be fun to have a stupid car, but that's not where my happiness is gonna come from. So I hope this helps you. I I hope something I said will either affirm something you've already maybe thought because we're hearing the opposite in our culture, or maybe it'll make you think about it a little bit differently. And I hope that you go find that happiness. I hope you go find that meaning and then Figure out what's adding value to your life. Pursuing that work that matters. Building relationships with people that are just just so filling. And becoming more generous. Because those three things do matter. If you'd like to reach out to us outside of the podcast, we would love to hear from you. You can find us on Instagram. You can find me, Travis Shelton, on Instagram. You can find us on our YouTube page. Or you can find our course, Meaning Over Money, which is an online video course for young adults where we teach people how to live for the meaning and not for the money. Take care, guys. See you next time.